welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Wonderful, wonderful to be here this morning again. I always say this is again a homecoming to come back here. That's always friendly faces when I look down and um, I just, I pray for the girl who's translating me this morning as well. You know, if she can translate Cork, perhaps she can translate anything. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, so I'm, I'm from right up the north of this island. It's not a, not a big island as you, as you know. Um, born and bred in Donegal, a little uh, country area. Uh, but God called us to, to minister in a place called Derry, stroke London Derry, stroke a hundred other names. Um, some 17 years ago, God called us, um, brought into an area that is perhaps one of the most divided places in, in, in at least all of this island and perhaps even in Europe. It's one of the most sectarian places uh, that I've ever come across. But God has been so faithful. It's so wonderful to see what he has done. Um, even since the last time we were here, uh, God has been so blessing us, uh, ministering through us and uh, ministering amongst the people that we reach out to. Uh, God has spoken so powerfully. He's began to draw in people. We're seeing people saved now every week. We're seeing new people coming in every week. We're seeing families coming in every week. Um, and to see one person, I remember we prayed for years for one person for a year and no one would come. No matter what you did, no one would come. But then when God begins to move, everything changes. Amen. Uh, pray for us. We're going to need another building, I believe, before too long. Uh, pray for us. We're going to need some space. Uh, God has just been moving amongst us. So. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to speak something to you this morning. Um, by the way, I bring greetings too from the church, just as they'll be meeting just at this time as well. I bring great greetings. So, uh, you're, you're very much loved and a part of our heart as well. And I want to speak to you from the book of 1 Samuel this morning, something that is so dear to my heart. And we're going to look to 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. And I believe it's a poignant word for perhaps even what we've heard already, uh, to see uh, young Ronan and Natasha coming up here for prayer and to see the reports and to hear reports that are coming back of people being called to, to ministry. We want to look at Samuel this morning uh, and something of his life, but something that I believe is so important for the church in this hour. Amen. Can we pray together first? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for this time of worship. Thank you, Lord, that even as we have approached, Lord, Lord, your throne, O God, Lord, you are faithful, O God. Lord God, even where two or three are gathered in your name, Lord, there you are in our midst, O God. Father, this is of your doing, O oh God. It is you that has orchestrated this approach, O oh God. And Father, we are following, Lord, Lord, your uh, command to us, O oh God. And Lord, we're so blessed to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this place, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of the, the ministries and the outreaches, O oh God, and the gatherings, Lord, that, Lord, are taking place, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, the baptisms, Lord, that will come. Thank you, Lord, for new life, O oh God. Lord, what a joy, Lord, in our hearts to see, Lord, Lord, people, Lord, committing their lives to you, O oh God. And Lord God, going through the waters of baptism, O oh God. Oh God, what a declaration of what you can do, O oh God. And Father, in these moments, Lord God, Father, still our hearts once again, Lord. Still our hearts in your presence, O oh God. Oh God, that you would, Lord, cause this word, Lord, not to be something just that we hear, O oh God, but Lord, something that so impacts our lives, O oh God, that it would transform us, O oh God. That, Lord, by your spirit is deep, but cry unto deep, O oh God. That, Lord God, you would minister, Lord, to the deepest parts of our lives, O oh God. Father, we commit our ways to you, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips just once more, Lord. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you have your Bible, please. And we're going to read from the start of that chapter. And it says, And the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Does that sound familiar? There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, whilst Eli was lying down in this place, his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again for the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he called you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tangle. Praise God. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by my sacrifice forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, here I am. And he said, what is this word that the Lord has spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all of the things that he has said. And Samuel told him everything. And he had nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Amen. 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 Praise God. I want to speak to you today. I've always loved in Scripture, when I look in Scripture, I've always loved pictures and types and things that are pointing towards Christ. I always see these things as a, as a wonderful reflection of where we are, perhaps in this hour. I was speaking recently on Daniel and on Joseph of their lives. And, and Samuel is no different because in Samuel we see something so profound of the hour that we live in. You find him as a picture and as a type of Christ. You have this miraculous birth, a mother who prays in this miraculous birth. You have his dedication in the temple. You have his, him ministering even as a child within the temple. You see a praying mother in both of their lives. But you find them speaking after much silence in the land. But I want to look at Samuel for a moment. It's a picture of, of what the church is and what it will be in these days. Who, who believes that we are in a time, I'm not here to be a, a doomsday, but who believes that we're rapidly approaching the time of the end days if we're not already there? We're in a moment now where things are changing day on day. The landscape as we know it is different from it was even one year ago. So different than it was five years ago. And there is a place now where we are being called from that place of where we can be here, where we have to live it out there. We have to live it amongst our peers. What do we believe? 
The nation was in such turmoil in Samuel's time. It was in such a sorry state when Samuel entered the service of the Lord. It actually says in 1 Samuel 2, 12, that Eli, the old priest, that his sons, it says they were worthless men. It says they did not know the Lord. Brought up in the temple, but they did not know the Lord. They would take for themselves, they would glean what they could. And we've lived in a land, and I'm from, uh, from the north of Ireland. I'm from a place where religion is so divisive. It has divided the land so much, perhaps even more than in the south of Ireland here. People have fought over, over flags, they've fought over territories, they've fought over, over names and over streets. And it has become, and they attach the name, but it is not even religion anymore. It is just sectarianism and hatred and hurt. And we find that on both sides of this place, we find a hatred that has embittered a people. And they have served an interest, they have served each other. And in the midst of it all, you just see brokenness. And, and all we have now who, who come to the church where we're located is 99% Catholic in our region. Everyone who comes is coming from, from a broken place and a broken home and a broken family. And I'm sure that's no different to hear. Hurting. Uh, we started our, our holidays officially yesterday. And I spent about three hours on the phone. Because there was a chap, and one, a young chap that I, that I knew that had went to one of the local bridges. Can I tell you something? There is such a hurt in the hearts of people. The land is so broken. But can I tell you something? In the midst of Eli's circumstance and in the midst of where we are in this moment, God still wants to speak. Amen. God wants to minister in this generation. Amen. And he is going to speak to a people. He is going to speak not to an old Eli. He's not going to speak to an old religious order. It's not going to come to a corrupt system. It's not going to come to that which has been violated, that which has been abused by the hands of men. He's going to speak to his bride. Amen. He's going to speak to a people who are so, whose lives have been devoted to him from the very start. So God, all that we have is yours. All that we are is yours. Can I tell you something of Samuel that, that, that I love of this story of Samuel? Samuel's mother was called Hannah. And Hannah's name means grace. Samuel literally was born of grace. God wants to speak to that which is born of grace. Amen. God is going to speak to his church in this hour. And there is a time and there is a season where we must be obedient to the call of God. You have Eli, you have the, old, you have the sons, they're corrupt to the core. All that can come from that is corruption. All that can come from that. All that comes, as the old saying, all that comes from, from flux is flux. All that comes from that which is broken is brokenness. But that which is new, a new creation in Christ. God wants to speak, amen. Samuel was born out of a deep, heartfelt cry of a weary woman and the mercy of a plant-working God, amen. And can I tell you something? The church in this land is no different. Many tears have been cried over this land. Many tears for you and for your family. Whether you realize that we sit in a, in a nice air-conditioned room now and listen to beautiful music, but there were homes and there were rooms and there were places where, we, where people met us two and three, perhaps even in this city, in cities and villages all across this land, who cried and who longed for a move of God, who longed for a family member to come to Christ. Some of you are the product of that today. Some of you are the product of what God answered to those prayers. I want to give you three points because who doesn't love a three-point sermon? I remember being a kid and my dad would take me to church. I remember being taken along and the preacher would say, it's three points. And you're sitting there and you're going, you're ticking them off because you're like, oh, number three's coming. 
The worst thing was when someone says, I have an eight-point sermon. And, and they've done the introduction, and now they go into the eight points. And you're like, oh, man. I want to take you in three points this morning. Number one is this. Can I tell you what God is going to do in this hour? It is not going to be by might or by power, but it is going to be by the Spirit of God. I want to emphasize more than ever that the church will be distinguishable in this generation as that which is born from the heart of God. Born with, filled with the Spirit of God rather than of the hearts of men. It will not be by might or power. It will not be programs or plans. It will not be the efforts of men. I, I met with someone last week and I won't say exactly where, but I met with someone in, in the city last week before I left. And they're, they're, they're a, a leader in a former party in Northern Ireland. And I spoke with them and they spoke about the, just the, the influx of broken people who are coming. And they said, we don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do. We, we, we can give them food, but we can't do anything for them. And they began to speak because we've started a food program as also. And they said, well, how do you do it? And I said, it's so simple. I don't have the answers, but I know one who does. And Jesus is the answer to this generation, church. The simplicity of, I count myself as a simple person. And there's people back home who will be amen enough if I said that. I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple man. Simple comfort, simple pleasure, simple things. And I understand things in a simple way. And it is as simple as hearing the voice of God and being obedient. That's what it is to be a, Christ, a Christian. That's what it is to follow Christ. We don't always get our, our ducks in a row theologically. We don't always understand every eschatological. Did you notice the big word? We don't always understand these statements. We understand great things. But can I tell you something? To hear the voice of God and to be obedient to that voice is everything. If Samuel can hear that voice and he arises, even as he arises that first time, he doesn't know that this is God. He arises the second and he still doesn't know that it's God. Can I tell you something? God can be knocking at your heart long before you understand that God is speaking. I want you to think about these things for a moment, church. It's important to realize that as much as Hannah prayed for her child, she realized the child was not primarily for her good pleasure. So often when we receive the blessing or the promise, we think it is for our good pleasure only. But she realized for this child to be fully fulfilled in his calling, that he was to be dedicated to the things of God. The focus of Samuel's life was not to be something that was selfishly enjoyed, but rather surrendered to the will of God. This life that we have, this Christian life that we have, is not merely just for our own gratification, our own satisfaction, our own fulfillment, the fixing of our own situations, but our lives are supposed to be lives that are lived in surrender to the call of God that are lived for the, for the glory of God and for the good of others. Amen. Yes. It's as simple as this. Think about this church. Think about much of what we know in the, of the church in the West has become so focused on self and enjoyment and pleasure and entertainment. The church of the West has become so sensual and lazy. There's a focus on self-preservation rather than the higher call of loving God and loving people. At the cost of everything else. Our first call is to serve the will of our Father in His presence and the world around us. Amen. Can I tell you something? It is not for the accolades of men we do this. Let that be gone from your head. It is for the glory of God and the good of men and women in this generation. 
That we would minister the gospel to those around us. If that's the person in this shop that you, that you buy your milk in, if that's the person that, that, that is parked beside you in, in, in the loading bay or whatever it is, you shouldn't park in loading bays in the parking bay. If, wherever you are, that God would speak into your life, that you would be a witness. It's not just about a Sunday morning. We pray for God's blessing, but what does that even truly mean? It's not, we think it's about wealth or power or position. The greatest blessing is to have a deeper relationship with Him. That's it. To be more like the sun and to fill to running over by the Spirit of God. The truest outworkings of those giftings are not merely for our gratification. They're to point others towards Jesus. Point others towards Jesus. The city that I'm from has got the highest suicide rate in Europe. The highest suicide rate in Europe. In 460 days, there were 1,100 attempts on a one-mile stretch of river. Not on the houses, not on the homes. If I don't believe this, then I can't stand on a pulpit and preach it. It is not by might. It is not by power. It must be by the Spirit of God. And it's as simple as that now for me. It's as simple as hearing the voice of God. God, you've called me to this. You've called us to this. No matter what that looks like, no matter how hard the day gets, no matter how difficult the circumstances come, when God calls you, God will equip you for that call. Amen. Amen. God will equip you to stand in that hour. The second point is this, for those of you keeping track. Only God's plan will prevail. Praise God. Praise God. You've got to understand the timing of Saul's introduction was not an accident or an incidental to the story. It was a divine outworking of God's plan to transition the nation of Israel. Following on from, from Samson and his heroic efforts, we have this, he was a great man in the history of Israel, transforming the children of Israel from a divided nation under the judges. And can I tell you something? Part of Samuel's calling was to bring them from that place of the judges through to the place of where they would surrender under a king. If that's not a call of what we're to be as the church, and a nation that is divided... And we've made it all. Can I tell you something? We've made it all about division. We've made it all about our patch. We've made it all about our bit. But can I tell you, when we get to heaven, it's just going to be brothers and sisters. It's just going to be brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters who come under the headship of a king. Israel had to learn to repent from their sins. And Samuel was the man that God used to break that cycle. And move them into the era of the kings. They are divided as a community. There's 12 tribes and they have fierce loyalties. And we see that from our society. Perhaps even more where I'm from than from here. But this is what Samuel does. And he prepares the nation for its new life under the rule of the kings. What a high calling we have, church. People from all walks of life. People who don't look like us or sound like us or, or, or pray like us. People who don't talk. But it's the place where we minister them away from the boundaries and the hatreds towards the ultimate kingdom, which is Christ. The kingdom of Jesus Christ. Anyone who preaches another gospel does not speak the true word of God. Churches, denominations, gatherings, states all look to elevate their distinction and weave it into a message. But the true gospel of Jesus Christ, I love this, it transcends every border, every division, every distinction. The last two funerals that I had to do, 
One of them was for a, a fella some 30-something years ago. He came in with his wife as a, probably as a, as a late teens. And he committed his life to the Lord and began to walk with the Lord for almost a year. Things happened and where we are as a community, it's, it's, there's, there's, back then the, 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 the battle was raging on the streets. People were dying. And he took up arms and one side in that. And within that, he walked away from these things. He walked away from what he knew of God. His wife continued to walk with God. I didn't see him bar seeing him through the town for, for years and years. But some 30 odd years had passed and I got a call from his wife to say he's contracted cancer. He's got weeks to live, possibly months, but more than likely weeks. And I said, do you mind if I go and speak with him? And I walked into the room and I'm praying, going in, this is a six foot four guy. Pastor Nick knows who I'm talking about. A big guy. I think Pastor Nick is one of the few guys that could intimidate you when you walked into a room. He walks into, I walk into that room and I'm like, Lord, you got to speak. This man within three minutes is weeping on the floor. Nothing that I had done, nothing that I had said, but he said, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my life in the pursuit of these things. And he began to cry out for mercy, began to cry out to God in such, you know, it's the most sincere repentance cry perhaps I've ever seen, such brokenness. This is it, like I have weeks left, this is all I have left. And his wife had prayed for years that one day that she would see him standing beside her in church. Following Sunday, he's standing beside her, weak and feeble and frail, barely able to lift his hands, but worshiping and tears streaming down her face, tears streaming down her face. And she says, don't tell me that God doesn't hear. Don't tell me that God can't answer that prayer. That was one of the funerals on one side of the community. The other funeral that I had to do was for someone on the other side of the community who chose their house because they would get a, a better view of the parades that were happening in the north. But can I tell you something? This gospel transcends all of it. I preached a word and there was no boundaries. There was no division, just life and death. People who are born again and people who are not. And a God who loves them so much that he reaches across every one of those distinctions and says, I love you this much that I died for you. This is the glory of this gospel. And church is this picture of Samuel. And the church is what we're called to be. This is not about who we are, but it is about who he is in this hour more than ever. We can show the same love and preach the same word to every nation and tribe and language. There is no difference. The nation was in such a sorry state when Samuel entered the service of the Lord. But there was a significant, important call of God upon Samuel's life. When he heard the voice of God speaking to him as he slept, the voice came to him, not to Eli. It's so important to know that Samuel was not there to merely serve as some old religious order. And to end up just like it. Church, we're not here to just end up like that which has went before. I grew up in church. I was a church kid. My, my, my dad was an elder. My grandfather was, a, was an elder. And going back probably four, five, six generations, we're all ministers and elders. That was my lineage. The house my dad lives in was an old man. It's 252 years old. That's the house that I was brought up in. I found some of the old books recently from it that are going back into the late 1800s. Incredible things. How God moved in those days. But can I tell you something? I grew up in the church, but that did not keep me from the things that would come against me. 
there was a battle that I still had to face myself. And God in his mercy saved my life at 18 years old. God in his mercy. And only God, only God put his hand upon my life. The enemy wanted to rob it all, but God was so faithful. So important to know. Just because we live in a place or, or you're born into a certain family, that is not what makes you a Christian. It is hearing the call of God and being obedient. It is hearing the God of call to repentance and being obedient to that call. He's a faithful one. I love the word repentance. Some people don't like speaking, but I love the word repentance because it speaks of a faithful God. It speaks of a God who recovers. It speaks of a God who would take my life in the sorry state that it was in and it was nothing and broken. But God was faithful. That's who he is. Praise God. I will always sing of his goodness. I don't, all of this here, see the, see the standing in the pulpit, all of these things, if that all goes tomorrow, I will still have the same cry in my heart. And still have the same praise for him because of what he has done. Glory to him. Only God's plans prevail. The third one is this. God can raise up a standard in any time and any place. We need to understand this. Our God is the God of the impossible. Do, do we understand that? Do we understand? Not the logical or the possible all the time, but He is also the God of the impossible. Amen. He is able to transform the most impossible of situations. He is truly able to do the remarkable in our day. Truly He is able to do the most remarkable things. I didn't realize this, but that same guy who I spoke about whose funeral I did, he stood in a doorway, even in his back state, and spoke to another man. And that man in the last year has come to Christ. And he said those conversations we would have as a bouncer on the door of the club, when people had already went in, were standing at the door, and he would begin even in his backslidden state to tell him about Jesus. This man was a kickboxer in a, in a kickboxing school up north. And he comes to Christ in the most profound, incredible way. Can I tell you something? He can raise up a standard in any time, at any place. Think about who went into the upper room in Acts. Think about who went in. Those who had abandoned Jesus. Those who had said one thing and did another. Those who had nothing but a desperate cry for a move of God. God never fails. I've thought so much about this young guy, Samuel. There's much to be seen in his whole life and ministry, but I want you to see this young boy being used mightily of the Lord. Going to sleep every night and his mom coming to visit him each year. And bringing him a coat. And by the way, that, that verse or that, that part where his mom would bring him a coat. I remember being at an early summer fire conference. I don't remember the preacher. I don't remember his title. I don't remember anything else that he spoke on. I don't remember much else from that time. But can I tell you something? There was a certain preacher some years ago. And I was nowhere with the Lord. And this preacher got up and he began to speak. About this coat that he would bring. About how he would bring him this new coat each year. And it was because of the growth in his life. Can I tell you something that challenged me because there was no growth in my life. But as he grows, the voice of the Lord comes to him. A kid in the midst of a religious arena. They had their protocols for following God, but the voice of God came to a place. It didn't come to where the light had almost went out. It comes to this boy. Even to add to that, you see in even a young Samuel a desire to serve. He jumps from his bed. He says, Eli, what do you need? An earthly master, he arises multiple times believing that Eli is calling him. But he realizes his calling is higher. Our call is higher, church. 
Our call is higher. There's an awakening that leads to this, a surrender that happens and an obedience. All of this must be present in the heart of the child of God for revival to take place. The place was so broken now. It says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. There were small bits of words from God, but it was the exception rather than the rule. Many had never heard or known of God. And the nation was more interested in individual preservation than seeking the face of God. I want you to see this picture. The waste places. So much of religious hierarchies of yesterday are creaking and crumbling. Waste places that should have running water. That should have living water. But rather it comes to a people who from the outside seem young and incapable. Can I tell you something? There's some of you here today. And you look at your life. I was sitting in worship this morning. And I love to see young people going to missions. I love to see the desire and the focus. I love to see everyone going to missions. But I love to see young people going to missions. And can I tell you something? When you look at your life, we always measure ourselves by others. We measure ourselves by our abilities. And we, I always say we live by example, but we die by comparison. When we have good examples in our lives... We can look at that example and say, I aspire to that. I, I desire to be like that. But the moment we begin to compare ourselves, something dies within us because that's not who we are. I'm not Pastor Nick. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Everyone say, I'm not Pastor Nick. I'm not Pastor Nick. You have a calling that is individual to your life, church. You have a calling that is specific to you. You have a calling that is not old Eli's calling or, 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 or someone else's calling. You have a calling that God has for your life. Yes. Do you understand? God wants to speak to you. And you might look at your life and say, but I'm young, I'm insignificant. I don't have what they have. I don't have the years of heritage that they have. I don't have all of those things. But all you have to have is an ear that is willing to hear and a heart that is willing to obey. Yes. That you would hear the voice of God and follow there are waste places and the places that should have been fountains of living water. But this word will come to the weak and broken. It will come to those of you that say that I have nothing. I'm no one. I'm just a child. I can't even fully discern the voice of God. This word was not to be biased on previous institutions of men. But just the people that say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. First time it's dismissed. Second time it's dismissed, I hear a voice, and it can only be Eli. Consider this, he did not know the Lord yet. It says this in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He did not know the voice of God even yet. Other than the words of his mother to him and the snippets received from a backslid in Eli, he knew something about God, but he had no personal revelation of God or his word yet. You can know enough about God to be in the house of the Lord, but still never have an encounter to say, I know Jesus. You can hear things about God. You can have people that can teach you things, but still never have had that personal encounter with Jesus. He longs to have that personal encounter with the church, with you as an individual. You can hear a thousand sermons and never once be able to say, God spoke to me from his word. It's a condition of the heart to say, oh God, that you would speak. God, that you would speak, your servant is listening. How many times would he have called him had Eli not rerouted him and said, this is God? How many times have come in and said, God, that you would speak, give me a word? How many hundreds and thousands can sit in pews 
and never have an encounter with God. Something changed in Samuel by the third one. He says, I know you called me. I know you called me. He, he still thinks it's Eli, but he says, I know you called me. I've heard a voice now. I can only be Eli. And what happens is when we hear something, someone speaks something. If it's Pastor Nick or whoever's in the pulpit, we speak something. What happens is we reduce it to what we know. He's just trying to catch someone. We're trying to fit that which we hear into that which we are familiar with. How many times do we hear the word of God and we perceive it as the words of a man? How many times has it only for a moment to wake in our slumber? But then we realize God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me. Church, you need to understand something today. You can hear a word that will awaken you. You can hear a word that can bring you from your sleep. But when you hear God speak, and it is God's voice speaking repeatedly, there must be an act of obedience. A response to that word. Revelation must be followed by response. When you hear a word, a response that would say, God speak. Your servant is listening. That response was reassured and affirmed by old Eli. This is God. God is speaking. But so often we take the supernatural and we reduce it to the natural in our minds. Why would God speak to me? Why would God use me? Why would God minister to me? Why would God hear my prayer? Can I tell you something? He hears you this day. He hears you. He hears your cry. There is no special dispensation that, that I have or anyone else has that, that you don't have this day. When the, when, the, when the veil was torn, that access was granted that you might approach the Father. Amen. Amen. That you can come into the presence of Almighty God. And can I tell you something? Don't relegate what you hear as insignificant. Don't relegate, relegate what you hear and just go back to that slumber. But say, oh God, if this is you, that you would speak again. Lord, if this is a word that you're speaking for me, that you would speak it again. Lord, that you would awaken me from this place. Lord, I'll come and surrender to whatever you want. I don't want to live and just go through the motions of some religiosity. I don't want to live and go through the motions of just, of just coming along to something every week and say, this is what I do. Lord, I want to hear a word from you. Amen. I want to hear what you would speak. Amen. I want to hear your heart ministering to me in this generation. There's no light in the area that I live. Lord, that your light would shine forth within me. Amen. Lord, that you would speak. It was God. Do you understand? It was God that was awakening him. God himself was speaking of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Him whose presence makes the angels tremble. There's nothing ordinary about this. And when God speaks, there's nothing ordinary about it. This was God. And so we lift our eyes and realize not just that God can, but that God wants to interrupt the natural. To speak from the supernatural to his people. Samuel was born from Hannah. He was literally a product of grace. But his name means heard of God. A name of God. That's the two meanings for his name. Heard of God and name of God. If this is not a picture of the church and the star church, I don't know. It is his name that is upon you if you're a child of God. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, his name is upon you. His name is upon you. Your cry has been heard of God. God hears your cry. He knows your name. And we had a little lady in the church, and she's a 60-year-old lady. She prayed on Wednesday night and brought tears to my eyes. She said, thank you, God, that you, know my, that you call me by name and not by number. Amen. Think about this. Thank you that you call me by name and not by number. I'm not just a number to you. 
I'm not insignificant. I'm not number 9,000 or whatever. I'm, I'm not just a number. You know my name. He knew Samuel's name, church. Do you understand? He knows your name. He knows your name. And he called you as he called Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, I know your name. Your name is Herod of God. Herod of God. You are the child of promise and I've heard your cry. And I long to minister to you. So many pictures. But this picture for the church is so clear. Samuel was not distinguishable by his eloquent words. He was just someone who heard the voice of God and was obedient. We become so happy to switch out the real thing for taglines and good communicators. But Samuel's uniqueness was his anointing to deliver the word of God fully and completely. And God, what a calling we have, church. What a calling we have on this hour. And a, a time where truth is eroded. And a time where where there are no standards now, where everything seems to be subjective. You can have your truth. You can have what you want. Can I tell you something? In this hour, there was a truth that we have in Christ that is still the truth of this age. It's still the truth for this generation. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13 says this in closing. Love never fails. Amen. There's prophecies that will fail and there's tongues they will cease. Where there's knowledge it will vanish. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Can I tell you something, church? I believe there is a time now for the church to put away childish things. There was a time where we understand that love is the greatest of all, that there is a love that God has for this people and for this generation that transcends all. The time for discounting and doubting the voice of God to us needs to be gone. We need to believe that God hears and answers the prayers for this nation. Church, can we pray together for a moment? Father, 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 we come to you, Lord, this day, Lord. We thank you for this place, Lord. We thank you for your presence, O God. Father, take, Lord, my, Lord, my words, Lord, my feeble words this morning, God. Lord God, you would stretch it, oh God, and Lord, you would cause it to multiply in every heart, oh God. And Lord God, even for those this morning that are in this place, that Lord God have discounted the voice of God so often, oh God. Said, why would God speak to me? How could God ever use me? Oh God, we thank you and we praise you this day, Lord. We bless you this day, Lord. That, Lord God, you are going to use a bride, O oh God. And it is not going to look, Lord, like that which has been, Lord, in years past, O oh God. It will not be, Lord, old institutions, O oh God. It will not be, Lord, old uh, ways of doing things, O oh God. But, Lord God, you are doing a new thing, O oh God, in our midst, O oh God. Father God, you will speak, God, in this hour, O oh God. And, Father God, you will raise up a people, O oh God. Lord, unto yourself, O oh God, who hear the voice of God. Lord, who are not afraid to stand in the face of adversity. Who are not afraid to stand in the arena, Lord, of division and hurt and brokenness, O oh God. And declare that there is a king that we must come before. That there is a king that we will stand ultimately before, O oh God. Father God, we know it is not by might or by power. But it is by the Spirit of God. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. For it is all yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for tuning in with us today. 
make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless. Thank you.